In a world with too much pop culture to consume, one man and one woman will argue about it until they get bored. It's an epic battle between obsession and indifference, and the winner will determine, well, very little actually, Eric Johnson and Emily Jones star in Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. Whoever wins, we're still losers. Welcome to Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob, the podcast where we argue about something one of us is totally obsessed with. And the other has never even seen. I'm Eric Johnson. And I'm Emily Jones. Today we're watching The Cabin in the Woods, a 2012 film directed by Drew Goddard and written by Goddard and Joss Whedon. Yes! This is exciting. Uh, it's about a group of friends who go to the titular cabin where stuff happens, and I've never seen it. It's a horror movie, isn't it? No comment. Come on. You can't <laughs> yes, even tell me movie. if it's a horror movie. Yes, like, it's a horror movie. If a group of friends, come on, if a group of friends go to a cabin in the woods, like, yeah, yeah. they're they're probably getting murdered. Come on. And see, the, the funny thing is, so um, part of the reason I picked this, I, I really love this movie. I've seen it. This is probably going to be like the fifth or sixth time I've seen it. Oh, good. Um... So uh, when we are recording this, it is November first. Yes, we should we should probably note that we're both recovering from Halloween right now. Yeah, and so it's it's like for the time that we're recording this, this is perfect for Halloween. By the time this comes out, it's gonna be like maybe, Valentine's Day, probably. <laughs> um, so it'll be less appropriate by then, but. Whatever it's our podcast. Joss Whedon is always appropriate. We'll, we'll do what we want. Well, see, and also part of the part of things that's going, it's it's leaving Netflix in a couple of days because it's oh, like no. I think they had it temporarily for Halloween thing. So we'll see if it's this movie is still available somewhere uh, by the time this comes out in February or whenever. Um, but we're gonna go watch this now and come back and discuss it in much more detail than I want to <laughs> say at this time. <laughs> see ya. See ya. Okay, so maybe I was a little off when I said this would be out in February. A little. Um, hi, this is Eric. As always, we strongly, strongly encourage that you watch the movie before listening to the rest of this podcast. Uh, part of the reason that I was being so cryptic in the intro is that for this movie in particular, it's just really fun to go in cold, just knowing as little as possible. Don't even watch the trailer. It, it spoils a lot. Anyway, uh, you can rent The Cabin in the Woods for $3 on Google and Sony or $4 on iTunes. You can buy it for 10 bucks from either iTunes or Google Play. You can also buy the DVD or Blu-ray, of course, or rent that if you have a DVD plan from Netflix. So however you're going to get it, pause this, go watch the movie now, and then come back to the podcast because we are about to spoil everything. Happy Valentine's Day. Welcome back to Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob, where neither of us is surprisingly coated in blood, despite the fact that we just watched The Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> um, Speak for yourself. I mean, I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm not totally not uh, covered in blood. Okay, yeah. if you're coated in blood, it's not on your face. So, why do you think I'm wearing this red shirt? No. Did you murder someone? No comment. Is that the thing that you had you had to finish? Like, oh wait, I'm just finishing something up. Someone, yeah. I mean, yeah, something. Yeah. You were disposing of a body, weren't you? <laughs> no comment at this time. Okay, well, I have thoughts on your apparent murderous tendencies and also on this movie. But first, <laughs> uh, what's your favorite thing about Cabin in the Woods? 
Uh, as always, there are a lot of things, but I think probably my favorite thing is even though the main focus of this movie is kind of deconstructing horror and is being both comedy and also a horror film in its own right and a lot of other things, I gotta say something that, that jumped out at me this time is just how great all of the little human moments around the main story are starting in the very beginning where Bradley Rit- Rit- Whitford and Richard Jenkins are having sort of a <laughs> conversation about childproofing drawers in the home. Dude, she did the drawers. We don't even know if this whole fertility thing's going to work. She screwed in these little jobbies where you can't even open the drawers. At all? No, they open, you know, like an inch. Then you got to dig your finger in. I mean, it's a nightmare. Or, or sort of uh, when uh, Fran Kranz is is reading uh, Little Nemo and is going like, Nemo, man, you got to wake up. Your shit is topsy-turvy. There's a lot of just like random little character yeah, things the characters, that did not need. Yeah, the characters need. are developed really well in that way. Like, yeah. And I, 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 you know, I always sound like a broken record, but I just... Whenever I rewatch these things that I love, the things that always seem to jump out at me are like the little details that I maybe appreciated but never really like fully absorbed or fully sort of respected, I guess, the, the, the first time around. So that's what I'm saying this time. It's like just those little human moments that did not need to be there, but, but that are and which are wonderful. Yeah, I love that opening scene with uh, Richard Jenkins and Bradley Woodford, like to, again, as you said, talking about baby proofing and all this stuff. But and I also thought, you know, it is it is actually really important to the movie because it, you know, it establishes that they're like normal people with lives and and families oh, true, and true. stuff. And like, oh, my God, what a horrible job that they have, which I'm not I'm not <laughs> yeah. saying that like out of sympathy for them. I mean, like, no, but what a horrible thing that they do for a living and are like really crass about. Like, it's so strange. I'm actually brooding for this girl. She's got so much heart. Think of all the pain and the punk. Tequila is my lady! So, Emily, what did you think of Cabin in the Woods? I thought it was pretty awesome. Um, I yes. am not necessarily going to watch it, like, over and over again. Um, just Okay, see yourself. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But uh, but I, I thought it was really awesome. I, I started out being, like, getting prepared to be, like, like, oh, I expected more from the people involved in making this movie than, like, a, you know, classic horror movie where, like, oh, you know, one girl's going to sleep with her boyfriend and then she's going to die and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the fact that they they turned that into a ritual, like... It's different in every culture. It has changed over the years, but it has always required youth. It's It's also awesome because it, like... It it's such a send up of other horror movies, but it also kind of creates a world in which every other horror movie that follows those tropes like exists in one universe. Like, yep, <laughs> all all horror movies are are linked, you know. And the, this is the one where they like it all breaks down. This is the grand unifying theory of of uh, schlocky horror films. Yeah, I know it's awesome, <laughs> um, and I just I thought that was really well done. Um, I also was really impressed and intrigued by the way that it like you're kind of rooting for both outcomes. Like yeah. like <laughs> you are uh like obviously, you know, you you want the the main characters to like survive because it's a horror movie and they're being chased and and you want them to get away from the scary zombies. Well, they may be zombified pain-worshipping backwoods idiots, but there are zombified pain-worshipping backwoods idiots. With a 100% clearance rate. True. So should we call Japan? 
Tell them to take the rest of the weekend off. Yeah, right. They're Japanese. What are they going to do, relax? But at the same time, like, you're actually kind of rooting for them to die because, like, you know that their death, like, saves the world. Which is, I mean, that's true of any horror movie. I mean, that's that's kind of the whole thing is just, what do you like... Mean? You know any of these slasher films? Like, I mean, you well usually we go to them. It's it's entertaining to watch people get killed off one by one. Is kind of the, that's that's the reason horror movies are so prevalent and so, these movies are so popular, right? Is that people like yes, they are rooting for the main characters and like we hope that you know someone makes that out alive. But we go into them knowing full well not every one of those people and probably most of them. You know, we we, we go in knowing that those most of those people are going to be killed in some gruesome well, way. And we accept that, and we and we pay we, for it. Well, <laughs> we go we go in knowing that and accepting it and everything. But like, I I have never found myself actively rooting for that in a horror movie. True. Like, I mean, you know, it, right. you know, so, it's, there's a, there's you, distinction you know, there, it's gonna happen. But... but you're not like you're not like God. I hope all these teenagers die in this cabin. And in this case, it's like, uh, well, yeah, I kind of do hope that. Because you know it'll save humanity. But like that's the whole thing with like the, the the different archetypes that are clearly being like punished here, right? Of like the the whore and the jock and the fool and whatnot. The whore, the athlete, the scholar, the fool, the virgin. Is in a lot of horror movies, the people getting killed off are just like obnoxious or annoying, or were, you you are kind of rooting for them in a way to be like, oh, that person reminds me of. You know, someone in my own life. It's just you, like, oh yeah, you that, are that, actually that. a murderer, aren't you? <laughs> like that's no what comment. we're that's what we're establishing here. <laughs> um, Bradley um, Whitford also totally had the same thought as me. Like literally, as I was writing down that comment about like it's great that I'm like I'm kind of rooting for both outcomes. I'm kind of rooting for both sides. Yeah, he literally said like, God, I'm actually kind of rooting for her. I I sort of want this girl to make yeah. it. I was like, Yeah, we're on the same page, Bradley. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what did you think of sort of the office side of it, the, the downstairs part of like just the, the, the scenes that are happening kind of kind of in the underground area before before all the shit goes down? Like it's, it's cool. It's like a weird sort of Truman Show situation. Did you notice the character's name was Truman, the the the, the, the mil- ex military no. guy who, <laughs> who takes who scans their badges at the start? His his name is Truman. Oh no, I didn't notice that. Mr. Hadley, thank you. What's your name? Daniel Truman, sir. This isn't the military Truman. You can drop the sir. You know, it's very cool. Like when they go through the uh, go through the tunnel and like you see them like pass the wall that that later yeah. on kills Chris Hemsworth. Um, I have to say, actually, I at first I thought it was some sort of like social experiment that they were doing. Yeah, that's what it seemed like, uh, and that actually made me really surprised when the first girl died. Um, because I thought that it was some kind of social experiment that they were doing and that they weren't actually going to kill right. everybody. Like, maybe it was going to seem like that, but she was actually going to turn up, like, in the office, like, oh, you were the first to die. Sorry, yeah. you lose the game. You didn't know you were playing or whatever. So, sort, of, sort of like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. All right, these exactly. kids are, you know, ostensibly killed in gruesome well, ways. Well, they're not. But in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. in the book, Fact- they show up in the end. Oh, right. Right, right. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. The, yes, yeah. I was expecting the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory outcome where they come out like, you know, uh, the one guy's like weirdly tall because he had to be stretched back to normal size, but like he survived, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, at least in the book. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember. <laughs> they don't really do that. In the in the movie, it, I think they're it's left ambiguous, and so the only one I think that they do that they do say for sure lived, like uh, Willy Wonka says that 
the girl who turns into a giant blueberry is going to be juiced right. or whatever, but then like she'll like she'll be fine, but we'll have to squeeze the juice out of her or something. something. I got a blueberry for a daughter. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, tangent. You were expecting a social experiment. Right. right, right, right. Yeah. So, so exactly. I was, I was expecting that kind of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory outcome. Uh, and then they like cut her in half. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I guess people are actually, like, legit dying in this movie. So yep. <laughs> if this is a social experiment, it's a super screwed up one. And it's not. It's actually a ritual it's... sacrifice. So there you have it. Straight out of the Stanford psychology department. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? Stanford prison experiment? No? All right. Am I supposed to know about that? What are you talking about? Stanford prison experiment. It's it's really famous. It's it's where the Stanford Psychology Department they turned their basement into a prison and they assigned half the test subjects. Oh, uh, are you talking the about the third season of Veronica Mars? Because I think you're talking about the third yes, season of Veronica too. Mars. <laughs> I didn't know that was a real thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, that's very much a real thing. Uh, that has very. Uh, have you? Did you ever finish the third? Th- have you finished the third season of Veronica Mars? Of course. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know. I didn't remember if if that was a thing you had yeah. watched. Um. Yeah, wasn't so a huge fan. But obviously, whatever. the yeah. uh, the outcome, the ultimate outcome of that experiment, uh, is not great <laughs> in Veronica Marsland. Yeah. I don't know what Stanford found about it. Yeah, it didn't didn't exactly go great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As an aside, uh, As an aside to the aside, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Andrew. He's in everything. <laughs> not, you have you have Andrew and also Fred and well, but like uh, Fred, yeah, I was expecting, and Whedons. she's like a you know, but Andrew, like whoa. No, they've already been picked. What? No, who took them? Maintenance. Maintenance. They pick the same thing every year. What do you want from me? If they were creative, they wouldn't be in maintenance. Now, you're gonna have to split this if you win. You want to switch? Um, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? More than anything, I, j- I just want this moment to end. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, w- w- when we watch Dollhouse in a future future episode, uh, Fran Kranz has has an important role to play in Dollhouse. Who? So, uh, Fran Kranz, the stoner, um, oh, oh, uh, Marty oh, okay. in this, yeah, he he's uh, he he's uh, the one of the main characters in, in Dollhouse, which has has some interesting overlap with this with this movie. I see. I see. Anyway, um, we'll come back to that. I had another thing I was gonna say. What was it? I'm surprised that a unicorn murdered someone. <laughs> That's, that's not, not that's not really what you would expect. Oh, here's here's like my one um couple couple things and these are like your one couple things. Okay. <laughs> these are <laughs> these are like you know, obviously I was I was really into this movie or else I wouldn't be wouldn't be having these like I, okay, so so this one really nitpicky thing is is the kind of thing that the yeah. kind of nitpicking that you you don't actually do like unless you actually enjoy it is what I'm saying. But okay. uh, I'm prefacing it with that and then saying all the deaths of everyone who works in the ritual sacrifice company, like, mm-hmm. can't make up for the one guy who didn't die in- during the ritual. Like, fickle audience. I you guess. Know? Like, jeez. <laughs> well, we, we. Well, I can double back to that. What's your other your what other a, couple what a things? What vengeful underground god, dude. Oh, so the other thing <laughs> is, I'm wondering if like do horror, do horror movies exist? in a universe in which horror movies don't exist? Like, um, do horror movies take place in a universe in which horror movies don't I exist? I see what you're saying. Because, like... I, th- I think they do. I know. Here, here's the thing. I think they do because when Kristen Connolly, uh, Dana, when she when she discovers the diary in the basement and she's reading the thing, she says, And there's something in Latin. Fran Kranz goes, Okay, 
I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Which is very much, a, that's a very genre-aware thing to say, is to say, like, we're in a creepy situation. Don't read the creepy Latin in, in that book. Like, um, right. so... It's, well, and, like... I would think that that's, like, a... That, 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 would, that would have to indicate that he's, like... There's at least some sort of horror... Well, genre maybe not necessarily films but he's he there there's some genre awareness I there mean, of where I he is I think there's also a a thing of um a thing about like sometimes you're just in a creepy situation and it doesn't have to be like oh my god in the movies this is when the bad thing always happens it could just be like True. this seems okay. like a thing you shouldn't do like it's pretty creepy no one ever mentions movies in this so that, that's it's well, very possible that and uh, so that's just like that's just like a way of of phrasing what i'm actually trying to say which is like oh my god who goes to a creepy evident like seemingly <laughs> abandoned gas station who goes into the creepy basement of the creepy cabin who drunkenly and giggling goes off into the woods to have sex when they're in the cabin when they have a perfectly good bedroom in the cabin and they have already been making jokes about like oh haha ha, hope we don't keep you up with our loud noises like why would you do any of those things no but that, that, that that's that, that's that's the whole thing right is that the Richard Jenkins and, and Bradley Whitford are talking to Truman, the the, the military guy. Right, about choices. Um, they have to choose so, to do all this stuff. But it's just like... How can you wager on this when you control the outcome? Well, we just get him in the cellar. They take him from there. No, they have to make the choice of their own free will. Otherwise, the system doesn't work. Right, but but they're, they're, they're bullshitting. I mean, the thing is that they manipulate them every step of the way, right? Is that fr- from before they leave for the trip, they put drugs inside the hair dye and they've been put they've manipulated the the pot stash and they've they've been they've been like setting things up just so to to force to force quote-unquote free will in these things and you know throughout then when they go into the woods like they you know um they they control the temperature to make sure they don't leave they turn on the lights to make sure it looks comfortable do we have temperature control in this sector on it engaging pheromone mists I mean, that's what they, they they say it's free will, but it's very obviously not. And I think there's, um, you know, if we were a more academic podcast, which I seriously don't think we are, um, but there's there's like some a really interesting discussion there about kind of the, the, the idea of free will and sort of rationalizing saying like, oh, yeah, well, they, they, they chose to, you know, do this and this and this when actually, well, maybe, maybe they did Yeah, didn't. I guess that's true. They um, are they are sort of impaired and like, oh, I, I have to say that a very good argument for the argument that you're making, which I, I guess is right, is um, the moment when they're like, when Chris Hemsworth is like, we gotta play safe, no matter what happens, we have to stay together. And then like, maybe, maybe, and yeah, so mysterious, it. like they've stopped even explaining the mysterious drugs they're piping in, but like, whatever the mysterious drug they pipe in, he's like, this isn't right. What? What's the matter? Uh, this isn't right, we should split up. We can cover more ground that way. Which is just like, no, guys, you don't split up. Like, come on. And there's also stuff like, you know, the classic horror movie thing, right, is that someone uses a weapon and then drops it right away. And so here, I love that they explain that, where she uses the knife against the zombie and they they give her an electric shock and, like, you know, like, force her to drop it. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, yeah, it's when they're in the black room in the torture cellar and the zombie is coming down from the ceiling and Dana, like, stabs him over and over again until until he dies. She's still holding the knife afterwards. She's still, like, primed to, you know, kill another zombie. And then Richard Jenkins presses a button and the knife has a little electric charge and it zaps her and, and she, like, drops it, like, kind of kind of out of fright. It's just like, that's, that's so perfect. That is perfect. Because, yeah, because why would you drop the weapon? That's silly. Exactly. 
and and she was clearly ready to use it again but you know um so again little details oh my god Um, the little details were so good like after the zombie arm like inadvertently impedes the guard (laughs) from killing them Then, like, the shot just stays unnecessarily long on him lying on the floor so the zombie arm can, like, scratch its way across the floor and climb on the dude's face. Like, (laughs) so unnecessary, (laughs) but so amazing. It's so entertaining. And also, I have to say, the the bit at the end when they released, like, all of the scary things. The purge. It reminded me a great deal of the, the final battle in... Uh, Buffy season four, <laughs> when they they invade oh, the yeah, um, yeah. they invade the I have blocked out what the initiative initiative thank you they invade the initiative yeah. and like all of the uh, demon specimens they've been collecting you know get released from their cells and and battle <laughs> the co- the company in this is just a much more competent and much more like terrifying version of the initiative pretty much well, i mean they've no, got the underground they, lair and i think they're way they're different and way better than the initiative i mean the initiative is like yeah honestly the initiative is is pretty stupid um yeah <laughs> you know the, the company here is like i feel like trying weird as it is because they do this ritual sacrifice thing like like ultimately they're they're trying to play the same role as like you know our heroes in something like right. buffy you know uh they're trying to they're do trying the right to, thing essentially by they're the trying world. to keep the hell mouth closed um there's a twisted way that they're trying to do it but they are trying to keep they know they know about all of this they actually know more about what's going on than most people whereas the initiative is just kind of stupid and it's like, oh yeah. my god, demons exist. We better dissect them. And we better create one of our own and f- totally expect it won't go Frankenstein on us, even uh, though that's like the most obvious thing it's going to do. Just create a Spoilers for Buffy season bad. four, not that anyone cares. A terrible big bad. <laughs> oh, Adam. <sighs> anyway, let's, uh, let's stop yeah, talking I don't, about the initiative. I don't want to talk about Adam. Yeah. Oh, I know what I was going to say like, ages ago when I couldn't remember what I was going to say before is yeah, like, what? you know what? Bradley Whitford should be in more things. He really should. I really, he's really like. Entertaining. I really like Bradley Whitford. Yeah, so do I. I think he's great, and he too often like is in things where he plays like a pretty, like kind of just a jerk. Um, yeah. I like, I like nuanced Bradley Whitford. Also, Bradley Whitford in general. I think he's awesome. Agreed. The internet people are going crazy. You're kidding. I was gonna say something. Now I forgot. Oh yeah, what did you think of uh, surprise cameo at the end from Sigourney Weaver? I thought that she was gonna turn out to be like a, a representative of the devil or whatever or something. Like I that, mean, she's I mean, no, I, I, she's like a spokesperson, but I thought she actually was going to be like in 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 like a like a glory kind of way. Sorry, I'm just like yeah. I'm just like Buffy reference all day long right now. Uh, which well, yeah, to be I mean, fair, Glory is a much better big bad than Adam. Well, yeah, so that's okay. Yeah, right. So I thought that she actually like was gonna turn out to be the the devil, the beast below that they were trying to not release, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, she came out looking all, like, lawyerly, and then they were going to... Uh, <laughs> I'm here on behalf of Wolfram she and was, Hart, yeah, yeah, or just, like, she was all of a sudden going to, like, you know, have fangs or something. You know what I mean? Like, I thought she actually yeah. was going to be the devil um, when she first showed up. But anyway, I, I mean, cool. It was like, what, Sigourney Weaver? What? What? Yeah. <laughs> It it was really random, and it was one of those things totally where unexpected. um 
not necessarily it, it wasn't like necessary but it was just kind of like well hey you know if you're gonna get someone to be you know to to to, to be in that role why not why not pick ripley yeah um i take it you, you've seen you've seen alien right i think so you think so i mean alien is so like culturally pervasive that yeah, I, but have you actually seen the movie? I know everything that happens in it, and I've seen. Have you I've seen, seen the everything movie? that happens in it? I don't think I've ever sat down and watched it in order, but I've watched the whole movie. If that makes sense, I'll, I'll think about this. Okay, not necessarily go in on the no, list, but I'm I, seriously okay. About I need this. to watch it, but I honestly don't think that it really belongs in the podcast because I really don't think that there's anything, and there will be any <laughs> would be anything for me to discuss about Alien. Like I, I. All right. I know All right. it. I actually know it really well. I just like, I'm not. I'm not okay. sure. Okay. I've, okay. I've, you know, I've watched it. I've watched yeah. it in pieces, like out of order. But I've seen the whole thing. So <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I I don't think they mentioned. Or yeah, no, I think they do mention it very briefly. But the name of Sigourney Weaver's character in this is the director. I actually they um that only showed up in the credits. That was where I saw that. Okay. Yeah. Um. And is she the person who called on the red phone? Yeah, exactly. She, she's the one who, who calls and says, one of them's still alive. And he goes, which one? And it's, it's Frank Kranz. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Bradley Whitford and Andrew Jenkins are supposed to be stand-ins for the writers, uh, for, for um, Andrew Goddard and Joss Whedon. Um, so they're supposed to be, yeah, <laughs> they, they, they're, they're, they're supposed to be the, the two writers of, of the movie and Sigourney Weaver is the director. Okay. So if you draw the conclusion from that, this is, this is, I'm not sure if it's ever been officially like confirmed, confirmed by, by Goddard and Whedon, but it's very commonly held and agreed upon theory online, which is that the ancient ones are us, the audience. Oh my God. That's awesome. They have to kill the so this is okay, this is why you were making the argument before that when you watch a horror movie you're actually kind of rooting for the people to die according to the tropes. Yes. Because we're the ancient ones who who need that to happen to Oh my god, that's so cool. And uh, you remember in the, in the last scene when Sigourney Weaver, the director, is talking to to uh to Fran Kranz and and uh, uh and Dana. Um uh she's saying like, "Oh yeah, the sun is coming up in 8 minutes." If you live to see it, the world will end. And that's literally eight minutes from the end of the movie, after which point the lights in the oh theater God, would go up. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> so cool. So I don't even I don't Did even I, blow your mind? I don't even know. I think I just blew your mind. What does that make people who like point out and problematize all of the tropes that can constitute the ritual? You mean the real life versions of Andrew Goddard and Joss Whedon, or? <laughs> yeah, or like you know all the millions of writers online who are all or uh, there's there's like a whole didn't somebody even write a book about like the virgin who survives or whatever like yeah well, no remember, remember like at at the end um uh, Sigourney Weaver's talking to Dana and she's like and finally we have the virgin and she goes me virgin we work with what we have. Because at the very the first scene, she she's talking about how she slept with yeah. the professor, so she's not a virgin. And then she's like, "Well, we work with what we have." You <laughs> yeah, know, which is, like, so weird. just kind of shrugs it off, <laughs> which which is which is what you know a director might do. Basically, like, well, you know, make compromises for the sake of the for keeping the audience happy. Um, True. Crazy. I love. I sometimes sometimes a fan theory is just the best thing. I mean, some mo- very much of the time they're absolutely batshit, but like. 
I love a good fan theory that's lit. And this one's like pretty airtight. Like again, I'm not sure. I, I I can I'll look online. I'm now curious. I, I'm not sure if it's ever been like officially confirmed. Like it's possible that they 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 have confirmed this. Like at you know signings or whatever. But like this is something that after the movie came out. Uh, I was just like reading, I don't know, Twitter or Reddit or something. I was just like, holy shit. And then literally three days later, went back to go see the movie again. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, so that's why, why I've rewatched this movie so many times. I really, I really like of... that idea. I also really like that um, the, what was his name? The Sorry, you don't know who I'm talking about. Um, no, there, there's multiple men in this movie. So saying his. No, I really like the, really um, the stoner voice of reason do, like situation. Yeah. Friend Cran slash Marty. Yes, Marty. Yeah. Oh, his name was Marty. The, so there's a character. There's also a character in the Gil- season of Gilmore Girls that I'm currently watching named Marty. So I thought yeah. that I made Marty up in my head. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> but no, I love that he's kind of like the voice of reason slash like pretty prophetic. Um, yeah. Which, you know, makes sense because his, his untainted weed has been immunizing him from all of the various chemical manipulation, obviously. Right. Obviously, that's how weed works. But no, I it's it's just kind of cool to have someone like that uh, in a movie like this. You know, I mean, there's often somebody there saying like, "This seems kind of creepy, guys." But like he he like yeah. he, he almost it's almost like he knows what's going on even before he figures it out. Yeah. It's almost like he knows what's going on and is like, "You're not seeing what you don't want to see." Puppeteers. Puppeteers. Pop tarts. Did you say you have pop tarts? In some ways, he's saying, like, pretty classic, uh, like, paranoid stoner stuff. Like, you know, the man, like, the man is controlling us and all this kind of stuff. But, like, I mean, actually, yep. yeah. That's actually exactly what's yeah. happening. Oh, God, this movie's so good. I just, <laughs> uh, I love that. It really, really is. And also, like, I could totally see Amy Acker's character in this movie being, like, just a further development of like what Fred is doing in the science oh, department at Wolfram and Hart. Like pretty much, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I, I I'm not saying what I was about to say there because that's actually something that's a spoiler. I think you know what I what I was just about to say. Right. Yes. We should, really shouldn't spoil things that we didn't already give spoiler alerts for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did did you notice the the cameo from another Whedon property during the the purge? Uh, when all when all the monsters come out. It's really quick. Like, I didn't notice it the first three times I saw this movie. <laughs> I'm thinking. You won't give me a hint as to what the... No, I, I obviously, I didn't well, notice. Is, I, so I'm assuming one monster. of the monsters is, like, from Buffy or... From Firefly, from actually. Firefly. Oh, there's reaver. no way I would have remembered that. Yeah, no. It's 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 like a blink and you miss it type there's thing. There's a what? But at one point, yeah, a reaver from Firefly. Oh, I don't remember what they look like. I remember that... Yeah, well, they're all this kind of mutilated flesh. They're kind of, like, more competent zombies, pretty much. Huh. Um, but, but, but you, but like either you can, you can freeze from and be like, oh, hey, look, it's when the costumes from Firefly, it's, That's you know, <laughs> funny. I would have assumed that like some of the demons were Buffy demons. I don't know if they were or not. Buffy never fought a unicorn is what I'm saying is, as an aside. Which is a huge glaring gap in, in Buffy's. I just yeah. love the concept of, unicorn, a... of unicorns, like killing as, killing as an things. evil yeah. demon. Yeah. Cause like unicorns, <laughs> I mean, most of the time unicorns are one of the things that you start, you might sarcastically say of like, you know, well, we don't live in a world made of like rainbows and unicorns and puppies. Um, and then right. also like to get like more deep into it, like in, uh, <laughs> In Harry Potter, in the first Harry Potter book, like, the reason that, you know, uni- unicorn's blood will keep you alive, but it's, but it's like, a twisted half-life 
Um, yeah. Because specifically because of how evil it is to kill You've something, something so beautiful. pure. It's not just yeah. beautiful. It's how pure unicorns are. It's that they're so yeah. pure that you're not supposed to kill them and use their blood to keep you alive, whatever. Um, so, like, the idea yeah. that a unicorn is, like, not pure, like, it's actually evil, <laughs> it's awesome. Well, I mean, if, if someone, someone locked you it locked you in a square box until they, you were called up to the surface, you know, you'd be probably pretty vengeful as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> you're talking about murdering people again. <clears throat> okay, I'm really glad that we actually live on opposite sides of the country and you're not going to murder me <laughs> unless you have, like, minions in Georgia. No comment. Uh, <laughs> well, if that does not happen, uh, what are we going to be talking about next week? Not murder. Although there actually is death involved, uh, which I said way too happily sounding. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> death, yay! <laughs> uh, we're going to uh, shift, shift gears. You know what? You're the one who roots for people to die. And also, so are you. Kills people. We are both ancient ones. We are both ancient ones. <laughs> uh, Don't deny it. I think I'm three months more ancient than you, but yeah. <laughs> I suppose that's true. Uh, next time, we're gonna shift gears quite extremely to watch one of my absolute favorite movies, um, which is Four Weddings and a Funeral. Ooh. See, there's death because there's a funeral. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is one of those movies that, like, I might have seen five minutes of. Like, it's, you have to see the whole thing. I know, I know. <laughs> it's like Thunderball. I'm just saying, I feel like I've like, like I've tried to watch this at some point, and something has happened, and I, I've not, I've stopped watching it. So I'm looking forward to I, it. Is what I'm okay. saying. I'm glad you're looking forward to it. Yes. It's a great movie. Hugh Grant is delightful, despite you know, in person maybe not being the best. In person. Have you have you met him in person? No, but um, he had like a whole scandal in the late '90s because he was like busted oh, really? for um, soliciting prostitutes. Maybe I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> my schoolgirl dreams of Hugh Grant have been crushed. I mean, I still yeah. have a huge crush on him, even though I know this stuff. So it's it's possible <laughs> to bring back your Hugh Grant crush. Hugh, bleh, Hugh Grant crush, and uh, you know, I'll do my best to foster that by making you watch Four Weddings and a Funeral. All right. Join us that time. Until then, Emily, where else can we find you on the internet? I am online at EJ Reports. You mean on Twitter? Yeah, yes. I do, in fact, mean on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, online. I mean, technically, Twitter is, you are, it's Twitter true. Twitter is on the internet. I mean. But it's more helpful. People know where online you are. They can just Google EJ, EJ Reports, Reports and find me. Where are you on Twitter? Oh, yeah. I'm online at Hey Hey ESJ. <laughs> I, I'm, it's, it is not just Twitter. I'm also on Instagram under that same name. I mean, I'm on Instagram as uh, EJ Reports, but my account is private. So if you're a rando, I'm probably not going to accept your follow. Sorry, randos trying to follow me on Instagram. Well, join us next time for Four Weddings and a Funeral. This is Giant Geek versus Mega Noob signing off. This has been Giant Geek versus Mega Noob. For more, visit GVNPodcast.com. 